Okay. All right, so we have to uh, continue getting ready for Pesach. Yeah, so the truth is, the, the, the title for the shir tonight, I think, was uh, Pesach, the Yantif of Celebrating Mistakes. I think that's what it was. So uh, if you're very, very creative, you know, when we learn, you'll be able to figure out how it fits with the title. The truth is, it doesn't. It was like a last-minute last minute decision. I had to give a different shir. So, you know, if it, if it, if it doesn't seem to fit... You're not crazy. So I decided to talk about tonight is similar, to, just like last week, we took a little prat, a certain aspect of, uh, of uh, Pesach night. Last week was Haroises, and used that as sort of a, a window to talk about all of Pesach Bechlal. So I want to do something similar tonight by focusing on a different aspect of the Seder. Also, I can't say it's, uh, it's ignored. It, uh, it's, not, it's not seen as sort of just a, a secondary you know, thing like haroises, but it's still not necessarily uh, highlighted too much. And that's kaisholio, the kaisholio. So let's investigate a little bit in halacha what the Indian of kaisholio is. is uh, and uh, from there... We'll be able to see, hopefully, with Hashem, what the Pneumius is, where it comes from. Okay, so a little bit of halacha, what, what Kashal Yo is. Now, again, as we know, right from the Gemara, the Mishnah tells us in Sochem that Chazal instituted uh, that a person has to, has to drink and, uh, and experience Dalek Kaisis, the four cups of wine. Right, so you have the first cup is on Kiddush, the second one on Haggadah, the third on Benching, and the fourth on Halal. That's uh, the Dalek Kaisis. Again, as we know, Kineget corresponding to the four languages of Geula, other Ramazim in, uh, in Chazal as well. That's, that's well known. Then we have this fifth cup that we pour. We don't drink it, but we pour a fifth cup. We call it Kashal Yo. Where is that coming from? So Marmokka number one. So there's uh, one of the early Achreinim, Paiskin, Chayk Yaakov, the Sefer Chayk Yaakov. He, uh, there's others that bring this down as well, but he's one of the earlier Achreinim that records such a minig. The Noyagin Be'ilah Medinas, the minig is amongst these countries. I think at this point, again, it's, Pesach is one of those Yom Tovim that it, it's hard to say this is what everyone does because most of the time you only know your Seder. So it's like anything else that's foreign to you. So I, I don't know 100% what Sephardim do, but I'm, I think Kajal Yo is a minig that everyone does. But Noyagin Be'ilah Medinas, he says that the minig is in these countries by Ashkenaz, Limzai Kais Echad Yoyser, Mihamasubin, to pour another cup besides the one that everyone has for the Dalek Kaisis, an extra cup on the table. The We call it Kaisholiyo. That's what it's called. Where is this coming from? Why? So in Marmokka number two, the Mishnah quotes, again, from earlier sources, the Rames, that the point of Kaisholiyo is to be Rames, is to hint to us, is to give a, give a Remez. Shonum Aminim, that we believe. Shekeshem, Shagal, Noashem, Yitzvach, Mitzrayim. That just as Rabban Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, who that he'll also take us out again. We'll send all your Novi to herald in the coming of Mashiach. That's the Kaisal Yo. Now, this is part of a, a major theme when it comes to Pesach that it's a unique Yantif where, like all Yom Taivim, like all other Yom Taivim, it's all about connecting us to an experience of the past. But there's something unique with Pesach, and you sort of feel at Pesach night that it's clearly not just about a Gaul that took place. Of you know, thousands of years ago, that, even, that we're reconnecting to, certainly, but there's something about Pesach that it's also connected to a future gula, and that's certainly highlighted with Kaisal Yo. Bechlal, the, the Vilna Gaon talks about this, it's a major theme in his, and in the parish of his Haggadah, how these are the two aspects that's going on in Pesach. One, connecting to a gula of, of the past, and number two, a gula of the future. That's Kaisal Yo. That's the, that's, the, that's the simple shot. Now, according to this, 
there's no real halachic significance to Kaishalio. It's nothing more than a minig that, 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 that came up. Stam to be mechazik aramuna and to show that, we're, that we believe in the coming of Mashiach. Okay, it's a nice thing, but it doesn't seem to be very halachic. Uh, so, okay, so let's, let's suggest, and some Achrayim do, to suggest a more halachic explanation of what Kaishalio is. And then we'll see in the Pneumius all these things, Bezer Shem, coming together. Okay, so I mentioned before that there are four cups. And the fourth cup is what we say halalon, right? That's hal. So if you take a look at Marmok number three, that's in fact the Mishnah in Mesechus Pesachim, Kofi Yechesim and Aleph. The Mishnah says, Revi, it's going through each one of the cups, what we say on each cup. Revi, Mishnah says on the fourth cup, Gaimer all of us a halal. We finish the halal, right? Because the first half of halal you said at the end of the Haggadah. So the completion of halal you say on the fourth cup after Shveich HaMascha. Vaimer halal and also you say halal Halal is... You know, the whole thing all the way till the end of Yishtabach, that whole, the end of, uh, of Hal. So you say all of that on the fourth cup. That's, that's our minig. That's, that's our girsa. That's our version of what it says in Pesachim. But in Mark number four, the Rif, Rabbi Kalfasi, one of the early, early Rishonim, Sephardish Rishonim, I mean, not really from Sephard, he was from uh, North Africa, but from the beginning of that Shalshelis of Sephardish Rishonim. So he had a different girsa, a different version of the Mishnah. And, the, and in, in the riff, he introduces us to this idea, halachically, of a fifth cup. Says the riff, Revi Gaimer Alvisahal. So far, that's like our Mishnah. The fourth cup, you finish halal. Again, you started by Haggadah, by Magid, and you finish up on the fourth cup. Chamishi, and on the fifth cup, Aimer Alvahalagad. On the fifth cup, that's what you say. You, you say upon the fifth cup, Hailasham Kitav Gemchazi Nishmas, what we call halagad on the fifth cup. Okay, that's the Girsa of the riff. That's how the Mishnah read, according to the riff. Now, the Rishonim that, that quote the riff, that deal with this riff, are mamish bothered by it because this is like the only place in all of Mesechus Pesachim that there's any reference to a fifth cup. And the Mishnah is like saying it as if it's like a simple thing. There's four cups and there's a fifth cup that you say halagadalon. And so the Rishonim try to, try to deal with this because we know the classic halach is that there's four, there's four cups. What, how, do we, how do we now reconfigure our way of thinking that there's five cups? Throughout Chazal, throughout the Gemara, it's always a discussion of four cups. So how do we make sense of this? Okay. So Marmok number five, the Ran, Rabbi Nisan, one of the Rishonim, uh, again, Sradish Rishonim on the Rif. So he deals with this. Again, he raises the point that according to the Rif, we have this new concept of there being a fifth cup, yet we know that uh, every, every, every kid knows there's four cups, there's four cups of Hesach, So and you're not allowed to drink after the fourth cups. Like, what, what, what's, what's going on? So the Ran says like this, the Dalad Kai says Chayva. So you have to say that even according to the Rif, the fifth cup is different than the fourth. How so? The fourth cup, the, the, so the Ran gives two suggestions, two possible suggestions, because the Rif does say there's a fifth cup of wine that you say Halal which means that you're drinking five cups, right? Fourth cup is for the regular Halal, and the fifth cup is Halal So how does that work? So says the Ran two suggestions. First of all, <laughs> suggestion number one, Dalad Kai says Chayva. Maybe... When we always talk about four cups, that's because the four cups are mam shechiv, an obligation. Everyone has to drink the four cups of wine. The chamishi, I, this fifth cup that the riff is introducing to us, it's true that you have to drink the fifth cup, that, that, that you drink the fifth cup, but rishos, but you don't have to. It's not an obligation. It's rishos. If you want to, then this is something that's a nice thing to do. If you're still thirsty, if you still want to drink another cup of wine or grape juice, so you can just say halal on it. That's one possibility. Inami, or another possibility, a little bit of a similar angle, though. 
That again, the fourth cu- four cups are the obligation, you have to, no matter what. And the fifth cup, either it's voluntary, or it's, uh, you know, if you, you know, it's a mitzvah, it's l'chatchila to do such a thing. That's how the Ran is sort of trying to figure this out, that we still have the four cups as being the main obligation, and the fifth cup is sort of this uh, extra credit bonus if you want to do it. You don't have to, but if you want... It's a nice thing to do. That's what the Rana is suggesting. It's suggesting. So, Lisha is Kais Chamishi. And you say Halagadal. So, that's the Mahalach of the Ran. That's the Mahalach of the Ran. Okay. So, what the Ran is, is, the way the Ran is dealing with the fifth cup is that the approach he's going with is that fundamentally the four cups and the fifth cup are, are similar in terms of that just as the four cups, there are things that you say upon that cup and then you drink it. So, that's the same process with the fifth cup. You're saying halagadol and you drink it. And so then the question that the Ran is dealing with was, uh, I thought there's only four cups. Now you're telling me there's a fifth cup. So then he's trying to finagle his way. Okay, fourth cups are, four cups are obligation and the fifth cup is only voluntary or extra credit, something like that. But fundamentally, the process of how we deal with the fifth cup is the same as, as we deal with the first four. And the, and the dividing line between them is obligation versus voluntary. That's the way the Ran is dealing with the issue. But the Rambam seems to be different. The Rambam, generally speaking, there's, there's only a handful of cases not like this, but B'derach Klav, generally speaking, the Rambam always goes with the riff. And whenever, very often, we have uh, Rambams that are difficult to understand, and it's based on, based on the riff. That's usually how it goes. There's a, there's a famous letter of the Rambam, in fact, in Shuvah's Rambam, where he lists, and he, he goes out of his way to list, uh, maybe, I think, maybe five, five examples, five cases where he disagrees with the riff. Mm-hmm. And so that's a major tshuva, because that means that everywhere else besides that five, he's always going with the riff, which creates, which creates problems in its own right, because there seems to be other cases that he doesn't agree with the riff. But, but you definitely see the Rambam always goes with the riff. Now what's interesting is that the Rambam, because, because of the version of the riff, the Rambam also records this idea of having a fifth cup. But the Rambam, the way the Rambam records it and brings it down, you see that he looked at the fifth cup fundamentally as different differently than, than the Ram did. What does the Rambam say? So when the Rambam, a little bit of background, when the Rambam talks about the four cups, he says what we're what we all familiar with, which is that cup number one, you say Kiddush and you drink it. Cup number two, you say the Haggadah and you drink it. Cup three, you bench upon it and you drink it. The fourth cup, you say Hal, you finish Hal and you drink it. So every single one of the four cups, the Rambam says, there are things that you say and then you drink. But when it comes to the fifth cup, based on the riff, this is, what, this is all the Rambam says. You should pour a fifth cup. And say upon it, right? The Rambam doesn't say, and drink it. Okay. Now, the Rambam does say that when it comes to the first four. What's clear in the Rambam is that, again, he was bothered with the same question with, which the Ram is. You're telling me about a fifth cup. Uh, all my life, I grew up, there's only four cups. So what's going on with this fifth cup? The way, and, and so the way the Ran dealt with it is that, yeah, I guess there's five cups, but the first four are obligatory, and the fifth one is only voluntary. But the Rambam dealt with it in a different way. The Rambam deals with it is that the dividing line between the first four and the final fifth cup is not just obliga- obligation versus voluntary. All five cups are obligation. The dividing line, what makes the four cups unique, is that not only are you speaking and you're saying something in each cup, you have an obligation to drink each the four cups. The four cups is, are, are the cups that you have to drink. The fifth cup is different. 
The fifth cup is a, is a cup that you have to speak upon it. You have to say you have to you have to say halagadol on it. But nowhere does it say that you have to drink the fifth cup, and that's the chiddush of this of, of what the Rambam is doing to us. Is what the Rambam is, is telling us is that there is a fundamental difference between the first four cups and the fifth cup. They're all obligation. Not like they're on the royal obligation. But when we always grew up with this understanding that there's four cups of wine corresponding to the four languages of Gula and all that stuff, th- what makes those four cups different is that those are cups that you not only have an amira, there's not only a bracha that's set upon them, but you also have an obligation to drink those four cups. The fifth cup is different, that all that we have on the fifth cup is an obligation to say, an obligation to speak. That's the Rambam. Now because of this, based on this understanding of the Rambam, if, let, let's, let's give an example. Let's say you have 10 people at the table. If every single person, let's say by Kiddush, right? By, by Pesach night. So every single person has a cup uh, in front of them. Why? Why is it not enough? Why, is it, uh, why isn't it enough for there to just be one cup on the table and everyone is saying Kiddush together? One cup on the table and everyone says Haggadah together. And everyone's Haggadah is going to be sort of said on that, on that particular cup. Why don't we do that? Well, the answer is, because besides saying it on a cup, you also have to drink. So everyone has to have their own cup in order to drink it. But let's say you were to have uh, a, a certain cup that all you have to do is say upon it. You don't have to drink it at all. So then you're right. Why waste wine? Why waste uh, grape juice? Have one cup in the middle of the table, and everyone is saying, everyone is saying halal and it's all on that cup. And then you're fulfilling the obligation of the fifth cup. Because according to Ram, you don't have to drink it anyway. So there's no purpose of having everyone. It's not like there's a halacha that the cup has to be within, you know, uh, six uh, inches of your plate. There's a cup at the table. Everyone's speaking upon it. That's called saying, uh, that's called saying halagadla on a cup. Because, if, the, if that's true, then when we talk about the minute that we have of what we call kaishal yo, that you have a cup, middle of the table, that's poured, and everyone says halal and halal and so on uh, by their seat. So according to the Rambam, one can very much suggest, and it seems to be very clear, that kosher is not just a, uh, a nice remez, in the coming of Mashiach. There's a halachic significance to that cup. Why? Because the cup that you have in front of you that you're holding, that's the fourth <coughs> cup of wine that you have to say halal on, and that's the cup that you're drinking. But according to the girsa of the Rif, and the Rambam goes with that girsa. The halacha is that hal hagadol nishmas and hoidel hashem kitayv. The whole thing needs a fifth cup, but that fifth cup you don't have to drink. So what you do is very simple. You have a cup in front of you, which is your fourth cup, and that's the cup that you're officially saying hal on, and that's the cup that you're eventually going to drink after everything is said and done. But besides that fourth cup, there's a fifth cup that you're saying hal hagadol on, but that fifth cup no one has to drink. So let it just be one cup for everyone. There's no reason to waste more wine and more grape juice. So that's the halacha significance of what we... Now we call it kaisha but the truth is, according to the Rambam, you could call it kais chamishi or kais halagadol, but that's the halacha significance of kaisha Okay, that's the, that's, the, that's the simple shot of what's going on. So now we have... So, so what comes out is, halachically speaking, two, uh, two separate ideas of what's going on with kaisha Number one... No real halacha significance, it's just another way of, of celebrating and bringing out the fact that we mamish believe in the coming of Mashiach, so we call it kosher Okay, And then we have this other approach, based on the Rambam, which is, no, no, it's the fifth cup of wine. It's the fifth cup of wine. Happens to be the fifth cup, which you have to say halagadalon, you don't have to drink. So, memela, it's very simple, just have one cup, and everyone is saying halagadalon, the same cup. Right? There's no reason, it's, it's not like... Uh, 
You know, it's not like the cup has to, you know, it's, it's, it's for his hall or as opposed to his hall. Everyone could say it together on the same cup of wine. Okay, that's the, that's the concept. Okay, so the question is, fine, as, as I've mentioned many times, you know, in Nigla things are divided up, things can be disjointed, uh, but in Pneumius, uh, what's really going on behind the scenes of Yiddishkeit, everything is always a matter of unity. It's all about, it's all about unity. So the question is, what is the Pneumius of this Indian, of the Kais Chamishi, of Kaisheloyo, and in what way does it bring all these different sides together? Okay. So now let's let's talk about Bechlal, Pesach, Yitzias Mitzrayim. So you know there's a, we're going to listen to Rav tonight. Okay, if the next two Marukaimis are from Rav Tzadik. So there's a principle by Rav Tzadik, a kind of Lublin, that he always says like this. The way the Rabbanu Shalom, you know, we're used to the concept of the Rabbanu Shalom always, you know, running our lives Mida Keneged Mida, but Mida Keneged Mida. I mean, that's, that's a language that Chazal used, but the way we think of it is a little bit uh, underdeveloped. We, we always think of it's like reactive. We do something down here and the Rabbanu Shalom reacts. That's certainly true. But there's a, there's a deeper side to Midah Mida, which is that any, any particular tsar, any particular difficulty that a Jew or the Jewish people are going through, that's the beginning, that, 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 that's the flip side this is the flip side of, of, of the Yeshua itself. The Yeshua and the Tsar always have to be related to each other. In other words, like, the Rabbanu Shalom, uh, it's, not just, it's not just like Tsarist, the Rabbanu Shalom divvies out, he just has this roll deck of difficulties, and he's just, you know, he's going through the different possibilities, what our ancestors had to go through with Mitzrayim, and it just happened to, happened to land on Avdus, you know. Okay, so Manela, that's what, that's what happens. It's not like that. If the Tsar, whatever the Tsar is, that's always reflective of what, of what the Rabbanu Shalom has in store for us in terms of the Yeshua. It's always, they always parallel each other. So Ratzadik in Maramaka number 7, in Sefer Arzul Ratzadik, is talking about what, what is it about, what, what is the fact that, that Gulf Mitzrayim was the way it was in terms of the slavery and the, um, and Rachel Atzlan, the death, that was the, the murders that was going on by the Jewish people, the decrees against the boys, you know, what, what, what does that tell us about, about Yitzis Mitzrayim? What does it tell us about Yitzis Mitzrayim? So it says like this, L'kach Mitzrayim shayechon l'matan So we all know, it's a famous thing, everyone knows, that Pesach is not just a yontif by itself. The, ultimately, the completion of Pesach is with Shavuos by Kabbalah Satayr. Right? That's why everyone knows that Shavuos is the only yontif that it doesn't have a date to it, right? I mean, Pesach is the, four, is the 15th of Nisan, Right, uh, Sukkot is the fifteenth of Tishrei, Yom Kippur, Purim, Chanukah. Every every yontif has its date. When is Shavuos? It, ha- it happens to be in our calendar. It's the it's the sixth of Sivan. It Doesn't have to be, right? Shavuos is fifty days after after Pesach. Fifty days after the second day of Pesach. Right. That that's that's when Shavuos is. The Chazal tell us at the time when there was Kiddush Kiddush Achayish based on Edus. So Shavuos could be the fifth of Sivan. It could be the seventh of Sivan. Uh, it depends on when Rosh Chodesh was established. Why doesn't Shavuos have its own identity? Why doesn't it have its own date? The answer is because it's not its own yontif. It's the completion. It's the Gemara of Pesach. Right? In the Midrashim, uh, many places in Chazal, Shavuos is called Atzeres Shal Pesach. It's called, like the second days, it's called like a Shmini Atzeres of, of Pesach. Now that tells us what Pesach is about. The purpose of Pesach, as we know, Kalei leaving Mitzrayim, coming into Cheres, was about ultimately us receiving the Torah in Harsinai. That's, that's well known. Okay. 
Bartzalik, the way he spins it is unique. So he says like this. Again, So Mitzrayim, the Exodus, was preparing us for Har Sinai. And what, and what happens by Har Sinai? So it's interesting. What happens by Har Sinai? We got the Torah. But says Ratzalik, it's not just we got the Torah, now we got direction, we have meaning in life. We, that's life itself, right? The Torah itself is life. The Torah is life. It's chi, it's, it's vekus with the Barna Shloilam, it's absolute unity with the divine, it's transcendence, it's life itself. Without Har Sinai, and without Pesach, which is the leading to Har Sinai, then we are not attached to God, and if you're not attached to God, you're not alive. Which means that if we really want to define what really was given to us at, on Pesach, and again, and it becomes fully blossomed and developed on Shavuos, but what was truly given to the Jewish people on Pesach was life. That's what, that's what was given to us. Therefore, since the exodus of Mitzrayim really means us being given Chayim, therefore the flip side, the decree, the gullus of, of, uh, of Mitzrayim was the opposite of that. Because again, the gullus always is reflective of, of the opposite of the gula, making sort of an empty space to allow that gula to come. And so if the Rabbanosh wants to give us life, the gullus that's preceding that is going to be, it's going to be highlighting the fact that we don't have life. The fact that we don't have life. And that's why there was such, you know, the, the, the Xeris of Pare to destroy the Jewish people, both individually with terms of killing the babies and, and on, a, on a national level, the Jewish people as a people were being destroyed. Their identity as a people were being destroyed. So much so the Pasuk describes Yitzis Mitzrayim as Goy Mikarev Goy, a, a, a nation that's, becoming, that, that's, that's coming out of another nation. On some level, the Jewish people no longer existed. Before Mitzrayim, Okay, there was a family, they had, they had their own Mitzias. They come to Mitzrayim, they become completely absorbed and enmeshed in the nation of Mitzrayim to the point of where the very, the very life of the Jewish people was no longer in existence on some level. And that's all reflective of the Gula. So the Gula of Pesach is really about giving us life. Now, that's Mitzrayim. The Shar Goliath, no, what about the Gulas that we're in now? And the truth is on some level, all, all exiles since Mitzrayim. So, so again, you want to have, yeah, what, what is the purpose? What's, what is all future Gullus and leading towards? What's the ultimate Gula? So be us a Mashiach. Be us a Mashiach. And what is Mashiach about? If once we already were given life by Pesach, which can't be taken away from us, so what's missing then? The ultimate com- purpose of Mashiach is what? Not to give us life that we already have. But, she, but now he quotes a few psukim. The Pasuk tells us, The purpose of Mashiach is not to give us life, but to give us peace, to give us a peaceful life, to give us a life of menucha, of yishav adas, where the Pasuk describes everyone sitting under their orchard, under their fig tree. As the Pasuk says, I will plant the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael with the coming of Mashiach. They'll be able to reside under, under their, uh, you know, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. They won't be in a state of anger. Roigaz in Chazal and Tanakh, does, it, it, it translated as anger, it doesn't mean to be angry necessarily, it means to be um, agitated. 
They won't be agitated. And no foreign entity will, have, will, will cause them any more affliction and pain. As it was in the earlier times. In other words, what the Pasig is telling us about the coming of Mashiach, that the Jewish people will finally, on a, on a national level, be able to have a permanent place to live. And what that means on, a, on an individual level, and also on a national level, is to finally have Yishev Hadas. So life was given to us by Mitzrayim, but you could be alive, but your life is a life of tsar. A person can have Rahmatan, a life of Bilbul Hadas, of Tirif HaNefesh, of Pizor HaNefesh, of where just as the Jewish people during Gullus are what? We're alive, but we're being forced to move from place to place. Where you're not able to settle and to just be B'Menucha. That's true on a collective level, and that's true on an individual level. The, indiv- the di- diaspora, the Gullus, the Pizor, Bein ha'umais, bein ha'amim, that exists within the individual means, that even when you have a person, the nature of gullus is, is that you're all over the place, is that your head is all over the place, that there's no yichud, there's no shalom between, within the person himself, there's no shalom amongst yidin, right, and there's no shalom within the person himself, and that's all, a, that's all uh, reflective of what's coming with the coming of Mashiach, which is the opposite of that, which is shalom and shalva, on a national level, sitting in one place, in a, in, a, in a state of, of cohesion, and individually to have what's called Yishev Adas. We, now, it's an amazing thing, because we don't necessarily think of Mashiach in, that, in those terms, but Rav is telling us that the definition of the coming of Mashiach is Yishev Adas, is to have that state of inner peace. And Shezeo HaMachavim in Mashiach, that's the Tachlis of Mashiach. K'mayshamr Chazal, as Chazal say, that what is Elio Navi going to do, Elio that heralds the Mashiach, Sheyav Elahasis Sholem Ba'aretz. Elyonov is going to come, as the Mishnah says over there, not to push people away or to bring people close, uh, not to change anything. What Elyonov is going to come and to bring what? And the, his, the sentence that he says to tell the whole world Mashiach is coming is, Ba Shalom peace has come to the world. Peace only, does not only mean that there's no wars anymore, peace means within the person, that there's a, there's a hiskansus, there's an ingathering within the person, instead of being pulled in a million directions, and being, having a hard time focusing on anything, and knowing what you're doing, and know what life is about. Having that hiskansus, that yichud, that shalom within oneself. Shechai oilam kvaryeshlam, says Ratzalik, life we already had. Rakshi v'naicha, that life should be in a state of menucha, that's, that's ultimately what Mashiach is coming for. V'hainu, and Ratzalik explains more. Kiesh madregis ben ve'ever. We know in Chazal that our relationship with the Rabbanu Shalom is often described as either a son or a servant. Shanachnu ames barach. Therefore, says Ratzalik, if you want to be magdir like this, when it comes to the definition of the Jewish people as Hashem's servant, as Hashem's nation, right, of servants, zel mitzad matan Torah, that already took place through Pesach and Shavuos. The kabbals elakusai v'adnusai u'malchusai by the Jewish people accepting upon ourselves Hashem's malchus, right? Umemela, and memela, and because of that, just like Hashem's kingdom is forever, so so too, our existence, we now have life. In what way were the Jewish people to such a thing that we are given life, and life will never be taken away from us on a collective level, why? It's because we established ourselves by Pesach and Shuas to be the nation of Hashem. The Malchus of Hashem, the kingdom of Hashem. And if, God forbid, the Jewish people go away, that means the kingdom is, is gone. And the Rabbanu Shalom, that would be a Pagam, that would be something, God forbid, uh, a deficiency in, in the king himself. So that's not possible. So the kingdom is established, 
and that's finished. So in terms of the Jewish people being in, being a, an am, an eved of the Rabbanu Shalom, that's taken care of with Pesach. Avotoyar ben, but a ben is something else. Because you could have an eved who's officially part of the Malchus, but he has no menucha in the Malchus. He has no Yeshua Das at all, right? And uh, he, he doesn't even find that he has, that he doesn't even feel like he has a place. But a son, the definition of a son is, of course he has a place. He's the Yairish. He Yairishes everything. Everything is technically owned by him. Wherever he is, is where he's supposed to be ultimately. So Avotoyar ben Zeyilase, that's going to be when Mashiach comes, Shia ben Naicha. She'enyin golos hu hepach madregas ben. And we find this in Chazal, that golos is described as the opposite of what a child should be experiencing. As the Gemara says in the beginning of Brachas, that the Gemara says, whenever the Jewish people say, Shul, what does Hashem respond? Hashem says, Hashem says, Woe is to a father that sent his son into exile. Now, as the Rabbanu Shalom describes Golas, in describing how, how irrational even Golas is, and how terrible Golas is, is that someone who's a son uh, isn't by his father's table sent into Golas like that. So you see, the Rabbanu Shalom is describing Golas as something that's unbecoming to the son of the king. Is it unbecoming to the servant of the king? Magdavka, the king could send his servant to exile, but for the son, that's already unbecoming. And so this is how Ratzadik is doing it. So Ratzadik is telling us that the definition of Golas Mitzrayim, of Gulas Mitzrayim, is all revolving around being alive and having that sense of attachment to God. But then already you're talking about the coming of Mashiach and the Gauls preceding it is not revolving around life. It's revolving around Yeshiv Adas and Menuchas HaNefesh, which ultimately is the definition and the quality that's most becoming and deserving of a son of the king. Not Lavdavka, the servant of the king. The servant of the king can't necessarily demand Yeshiv Adas and Menucha. But a son could demand such a thing. So when we talk about, let's go back to what we're talking about, Kaisha Elio. So, you know, the word Elio... Right, the name, the word Elio equals Bagmachi, the word Ben. Equals Bagmachi, the word Ben. Elio Novi, as we said, is the one that heralds in the coming of Mashiach, and he proclaims what? Ba Shalom Lo'elam. So now let's begin to redefine, based on what we just saw from, from Rav Tzaddik, what Gula means and what Kaishel Elio means. Again, Kaishel Elio is a cup that we, that we, like we started in the beginning. The simple shot of Kaishel Elio is a cup that we have in the middle of the Seder table in order to proclaim our Amuna that Mashiach Bez Hashem will come. Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, eventually take us out of this Gaulus. And what does that mean to come out of this Gaulus? It means that we'll finally be in a state, not to be alive, not to exist. That's guaranteed already. The Chiddush of Gula is that there will be a state of an ingathering, that there will be a state of achtos within the nefesh, a place of Yeshua Das, a bechina where we'll be able to embrace the right of a ben, the right of a son. An evid's rights don't guarantee Yeshua Das and Menucha, but the right of a son, the son is able to demand of the father that we have the right for Yeshua Das. And so Kaishel Yo is an expression of that faith that not only do we have life, but we believe in our guarantee that Bez Hashem will have a life of Menucha, of Yeshua Das, the life of a son. Because of this, the halacha of Kaisha Yo, as it is in the view of the Rambam, is reflective of this. The halacha of the Kaisha Yo, as we saw for the Rambam, is it's something that you have to say halagadl on. But because the, the halacha is that you don't have to drink it, so that creates a very unique opportunity, where you can have one cup, mill the table, and every single person is sharing and coming together and expressing in a deep achdos, in a deep shalom, because they're all literally using the same cup. You can't do that with the first four, 
Why? Because the first four cups you have to drink. And because you have to drink them, that means automatically everyone's going to have to have their own. But all of a sudden when it comes to the fifth cup, where that halacha doesn't apply, you don't have to drink it. Right? And so now you have the opportunity to, for everyone to literally come together and say the same halagadol on the same cup. That shalom, that achtas, that yichud, is reflective of what the kaishal yo is about, which is the cup talking about geula. Even though, again, if you isolate the Rambam's view, there's no remis to geula in that. It's just halagadol. But now that Rav Tzadik tells us that the whole inyan of geula is to be in a state of shalom, that's what El Yonavi is coming to bring to the world, that's the definition of Mashiach, is the state of Shalom, then the fact that Kaish is Yo is a Kais which, which, which expresses that sense of Shalom between everyone at the table, then until now everyone had their own cup and their own Haggadah, and everyone's at their own pace and doing their own thing and yelling at the Bala Seder or thinking that, you know, you know, maybe if they're not verbally yelling, they're thinking, come on, hurry up, or going too fast, going too slow, whatever it is, and everyone's sort of like doing their own thing, all of a sudden Kaish Yo everyone automatically is mechubar, is mechushar to that place. That's reflective not only of the, the, the collective shalom that's going to come with the coming of Mashiach, but individually as well. That, that's, that sense of inner, of inner kinos, of that inner unity, the opposite of the pizer nefesh, right? The opposite of pizer nefesh, of that, you know, tirfadas, that uh, inner, you know, angst and, uh, and, uh, uh, and frustration and nervousness and, and, uh, um, and Pizer and Nefesh, that, take, that is the essence of Golas, the Kaishal Yo is the embodiment of the, of the Metzius of Ben. And that Metzius of Ben means Yishavadas and Menuchas and Nefesh. That's what it means to be a Ben. So that's what it's like is telling us, that the definition of Evan and Ben, it, 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 it's, the Ben means to be in a state of Yishavadas and Menuchas and Nefesh. And if you're not in a state of Yishavadas and Menuchas and Nefesh, there's a Taina that you have on the Father. Why am I not in that state? So that's what Kaishal Yo means. So Kaishalio is reflective of that. But one last thing we have to now clarify. So until now, until now, okay, so those are two separate inyanim. So we're given life by Pesach. And that means we're established as an Evid, established as a servant of the king. Lav Dafka, is there any guarantee in that way of being an Evid of ever coming to a place of Menucha? And then there's something else that we believe in the coming of Mashiach. El Yonovi, Gematria Ben, is going to herald in Shalom. Held in peace, bring us to a state of achtus within from our, within each other, within ourselves. That's kashel yo. It's very nice, but it's still still disjointed, still disjointed. It's it's it, it, it's like two yom tovim happening at the same time. There's a yanta celebrating the life of the Jewish people given to us, and it is a a promise and a hope and a celebration of what's going to come in the future. But now we have this final piece from our tzaddik in, in Sefer Divrei Seifrim, Aizvav. Where Ratzalik over here brings it together, these two bechinas. Although in before we had you know, Evid and Ben, two separate things, you could have one and you could be an Evid and you know, there's no guarantee that you'll be a Ben. Ratzalik over here explains the following. And see, it's a huge chiddish. But he says like this. Says Ratzalik, the truth is though, that by the very fact, the definition of life, says Ratzalik, the definition of life is not just to be alive. The definition of life is life in a state of peace. And if a person is alive, not in a state of peace, the emes is not, he's not considered to be alive. Uh, the emes alive. Shemargish b'chaim. Only when a person is able to be margish, he's in a state where he can sense his life and he could feel, you know, there's, a, there's enough yishvadas that he can sense the fact, that he, he could appreciate what life is. 
not, however, a person that's suffering, a person that's going through tsaris and difficulty in a state of, of peace or in a state of gullus, you know, in such a way, hashari b'tzar, such, such an existence, although it looks like he's alive and all the signs of life are there, that's not really called being alive. And he quotes the Gemara Psachim. The Gemara says, Gimel Chayim Enem Chayim. The Gemara says first that there are three people that they're alive, but they're not really considered to be alive. And each one, again, for each one, each reason, each example by itself, is the person is in a state of the opposite of Menuch. He doesn't have that state of Yishavadas. Now, Ratzadik explains. What do I mean that it's not called being alive unless a person is in a state of Menucha? So it says to like, I don't mean only physical menucha and physical pleasure and physical peace. And just to enjoy this world. That's for sure, by itself, insignificant. The Rosh was not even, you know, we're not, Chazal say that a person that, that, uh, that's a Russia that's only focused on Elam he's called dead in this world, right? Again, as we said in the beginning, Pesach, Shavuos is a time where the Rav Hashem gave us life. And what defines life? What defines life is, But here, says Ritz Tzadik, here's the Chiddush. That reality of, In order for that to be truly fulfilled, the Rav Hashem has, then, then you have to be in a matziv, of Yishavadas, in order to experience that Chaim that the Rabbanu Shalom gave you. In other words, it says Ratzadik, the definition of life, it's true that life, betza, means vekas. But what significance is there for the Rabbanu Shalom to give you attachment if you don't feel the attachment, if you don't sense the attachment, if you're too, if you're too pulled in a million directions to appreciate what it means to be attached? From the, from the Rabbanu Shalom side of things, the reason why he's giving out life the reason why he's giving us Chaim is because he wants, to he wants us to experience that. He, just that we should be alive, what does he gain from that? What the Rabbanu Shem Kiviyachal gains is that now he created a world where there's creatures and there's beings that experience life. That's what he wanted. Which means that there's really no purpose ultimately in the Rabbanu Shalom just creating Avadim, in the Rabbanu Shalom just giving people life, but the life that they're living are Chai Tsar and Chai Pizor and Chai... Tiruf, where they're all a million places and they can't appreciate and experience what, what it means to be alive and what the purpose of life is and the Simcha Sachayim. If the Rabbanu Shalom is giving us life, obviously it means it, there is a certain level of expectation that you should have that you'll be able to eventually come to a place of Menucha because otherwise what's the Tachlis? Why would the Rabbanu Shalom just give you life and you're never in a state of, 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 in, in a mindset we'll be able to appreciate it? So a guy's given a, a given life, but he's always, Rahman uh, Tzlan will be sick, and all problems with Bani Chaim is Zaini. So the guy's never able to appreciate, so the whole, the, his whole life, all he thinks about when he thinks of life is the mission that says, Balkar So against your will, you're alive. Against the Shkayach. What does Rabban Shalom gain by, go, by, by giving a person an existence where every single moment he's, he's uh, you know, begrudgingly accepting life? So the Rosh doesn't gain anything from that. So where Tzadik is telling us is the following thing, is that, yes, from our perspective, if you just sort of isolate the gifts, yeah, you could sort of separate the two. There's something that's called being alive. Technically, you're attached to God. It's a thing. Now you have Torah, you can keep mitzvahs, it's Gavaldic. And then there's something else, which is called, do you appreciate life? Do you, are you in a state of, of, of Yeshiva Das in your life in terms of everything of physical things, Bani Chaim to allow yourself to appreciate the gift that the Rabbanu Shalom gave you. 
So theoretically, those are two separate things. You could have one without the other. The Rebbe could give you life. You could, you could have life. But Lavdafka, will you ever be in a state to, to appreciate that? But says but, 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 but that's but, but if you think about what God gets out of, what does God get out of that? From the Rabbanishlam's perspective, of course when he's giving you life, it, it's, it, it, it means that, that at some point it's going to come with the guarantee for you to be able to appreciate it. Because otherwise, why would he do this? So says Ratzadik, therefore, in this context, from a deeper perspective, if we think about what the Rabbanu Shalom, why would he have this entire system in place? From the Rabbanu Shalom side of things, whenever he gives you life, of course at some point it's guaranteed that you'll be able to live a life of Menuch. Therefore, the whole Yontav of Pesach, let's understand, the Yontav of Pesach is unique, that the Yontav of Pesach is a Yontav which was completely from God's side of things. You know, every yontif, uh, for the most part, it, it came from our Avaida. It came from our Avaida. So even, even Shavuos, you know, there's 50 days to lead up to Shavuos, Klaus, we're working on ourselves, uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, Yom Kippur, and so on. When it comes to Pesach, as we know from the storm, it was all the Sirius of We were in the Memta Shari right? We didn't deserve anything. And even from the beginning, the Rabbanu Shalom promised to put us in Mitzrayim and promised to take us out. So the whole thing was motivated from, from God's side of things, which means that the Yontav of Pesach gives us the opportunity to allow ourselves the right to, 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 to view our lives from God's perspective. What do I mean from God's perspective? To not just be thankful with the life that we have, but to think about why would the Rabbanu Shalom give us life what does he gain from this? Well, if the Rabbanu Shalom is giving us life, what he gains is what? Is, uh, is not just the fact that, people, that, that, that something's alive. What does he gain from that? The answer is the Rabbanu Shalom created the world in order to be mative, in order to have a world that is able to enjoy the benefits of existence. That's why the Rabbanu Shalom did this. Which means that on Pesach, since everything that's Pesach is coming from God's, like it's, it's, it's all about his motivation. So now we're allowed to think in terms of the creation of what the Rabbanu Shalom is giving us on Pesach, what is his motivation? What is the Rabbanu Shalom, what does he want? Why is it that he gave us life on Pesach? The answer is, as we know, again, he's giving us life on Pesach because he wants to do good. He wants to give good. Well, what good is it if he gives us life, but every single moment of that life, it's all bar karchachatachai. It's against your will, and you're never given the opportunity to appreciate it. That, 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 that's, that's counterproductive. The answer is so it must be that Pesach gives us the opportunity to allow ourselves to, to get to that realization that if the Shalom, whatever the Rabbanu Shalom gives us, it means that at some point we are guaranteed the opportunity to appreciate it. That's what Pesach means. Which means that when the Rabbanu Shalom gave us Pesach, which means life, contained in that is the guarantee that eventually we're going to be in a state of menucha to enjoy that life. And that's why Pesach is a yontif where, where you know, the, 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 even though it's on, on the one hand, you know, we don't have chametz, which, you know, sort of cuts out a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the food options. But as we know, the, part of the yontif of Pesach, especially the Seder night, Shulchan Aruch is one of the simanim, right? Mm-hmm. So why is it one of the simanim? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and it's, it's yontif, so you have to have a suit yontif. But it's one of the simanim, why? Because part of the avoid of Pesach is to enjoy yourself, is to enjoy life. So you sit there like a king, Right? Like a Ben Melech, not like an Evid, like a Ben Melech, like a prince, and you lean and you're served and everyone takes care of you, hopefully, and everything is, uh, and you're able to appreciate life. Why is that the avoid of Pesach, to appreciate life? 
means this again, because this is the Nakuda. The Nakuda of Pesach is that the, the Yantav of Pesach is a Yantav where the Rabbanu Shem is giving us a gift. But the Chiddush of that gift on Pesach is that instead of just us receiving and saying thank you and backing up three steps like a servant, when it comes to Pesach, we're able to receive that gift and think, why would he give that to us? And if we're thinking, why would he give that to us? It must be because he wants us to enjoy that gift. Well, that means that I have the right to demand and I have the right to expect that I will be given the opportunity to enjoy that gift. So therefore, the four cups of wine is a celebration of that gift. But then we have the fifth cup, which says, okay, but I, I, that, but I am also guaranteed, and I know, and I know, it's only a matter of time, it's obvious, because otherwise, otherwise, why would he give me that gift? That's the Chiddush of Pesach. When it's not Pesach, then, I, then I'm an Eved. And as an Eved, I can't allow myself to think what does God get out of this? God is, uh, who knows? I just, I'm just thankful that I got what I got. But comes Pesach, and Pesach says, no, 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 no. You're allowed to demand more. And so now, all of a sudden, the Kaish yo, which is the, the Kais that's mechazik, our faith, that ultimately Chai Menucha is going to come, is a, it's flowing from the Yontif of Pesach. It's not a disjointed, separate thing. Four cups celebrate life, and the fifth cup reminds us of, of the of the bitachin that we have, that we're going to be in a state of menuch with the coming Mashiach as a ben, and basham loylam, and so on. No, it, 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 it's flowing one from the other. The yontav of Pesach, the whole yontav, which is a yontav that's flowing mitzad the rabbanish loylam, it, it, it gives us the right to think about, to think in terms of what the rabbanish loylam gains from giving us gifts. When a person gives a gift, so there's always two sides. The receiver is, uh, okay, I take it, but then the receiver to think, why would the giver give it to me? Because he, obviously, he gets something out of this. He wants me to enjoy it. So if I don't enjoy the gift, it's, it's counterproductive. It takes away from his pleasure. So then we're able to demand, and we say, all in that cup, to bring out this nakuda, that we're guaranteed the coming of Mashiach. So the, the Yantav of Pesach, again, that's the nakuda. The Rabbanu Shalom gave us that life of Pesach. It's guaranteed that we're going to have a state of Menucha as well. And this is also why the Yisai that Ratzalik is talking about over here is that... Uh, this is always a, a touchy Indian, you know, because on the one hand, everyone grew up with this and everyone knows that, you know, Kachi uh, to be live a life of deprivation and so on. But yet, at the same time, at the same time, we also know that, it depends on the person, obviously, but we also know that when a person lives in that life of deprivation, they're not enjoying life. They're not enjoying life. If you're on a high madragas, then you, you know you're, you're complete. You're all your hanos from the ruchnias. But very often, when there's a lack of harchavas adas, when there's a lack of uh, of, of harchava in gashmias, there's a lack of harchavas adas and ruchnias too. And that's not what the rebbeinu wants. The rebbeinu wants us to be to, to ultimately live in a state of menuchan and to have an environment that allows there to be a an enjoyment of that dvekas that the Rav Hashem gave us by Har Sinai. And to enjoy that dvekas, it means we have to be in a state of menucha. And this is why a person is allowed to daven for Bani Chaim Mizayim. Like, why, 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 why do I have the right to daven? Ultimately, why do I have the right to daven that I should have a, a, a good life? What, what is the whole thing is not Tana anyway. So why in the world do I have the right to daven that, that I should have a, an easy life? For what? The answer is, you're right. Without Pesach, you don't have such a right to make such a request. But from Pesach's perspective, once the Rabbanu gave you life, then of course it's ultimately with the, with the, uh, with the goal of you enjoying that, that gift. So why can't you demand it? Why can't you ask for it? Why can't you be confident that it's going to come? That's Kaisha 
No. So Hashem should help us that all the uh, the matanas that the Rebbeinu has given us, which is Chaim itself, Atavik, Mashem Alkechem, Chaim Kuchel, the Rebbeinu should should fulfill the next uh, part of the deal, which is Chaim Menucha and Chai Shalom and Shalvo to come in Mashiach. We ask God Tzedek. Amen. Amen.